Good evening, and welcome to this week's broadcast of Life's Tough, You Can Be Tougher. We had our premiere broadcast about a month ago, and since then we've been off and running. I'm Dustin Planholt, your host. This is a show about life and purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone, when you think about it, has a story. Some stories may sound more riveting than others. That's to be expected. Not every story, after all, is the basis for a blockbuster movie. Yet when you think about your own story, the most important thing to consider is what you will do with it. Or, to put it another way, what will your legacy be? We're looking forward to another terrific show this evening with this week's special in-studio guest and my new brother-in-arms, the former Marine himself, Senior Team Leader and Staff Sergeant Rudy Reyes. We're broadcasting, of course, from Baltimore, Maryland. Before we talk to Rudy, I want to welcome a sponsor who joined us several weeks ago, the POI Institute. POI is a private, holistic detox center located in gorgeous Cabo San Lucas on the Baja California Peninsula. Get a safe, effective start on reclaiming your life at POI. Call the POI Institute at 833-POI-CABO. That's 833-POI-CABO and tell them life's tough sent you. Okay, let's bring in Sergeant Rudy Reyes. Rudy is a former Marine who became a military advisor, motivational speaker, personal trainer, author, my older brother, conservationist, and even an actor. While in the United States Marines, Rudy successfully completed the arduous training program to become a member and the top of a recon man. Of 300,000 Marines at the time, Only 300 were in this elite unit. He served in three separate campaigns in Afghanistan and in Iraq. Force Recon spearheaded U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003. The unit's participation in that campaign was well documented in a book written by a reporter who was embedded with the troops. The book later became the basis for an HBO miniseries, Generational Kill. Rudy played himself in the series. How you doing, Rudy? Great to see you, and welcome to Life's Tough. Yeah, brother. Get on over here. Give me a big hug. Now, Rudy, as you and I have talked, and as we know a little bit about each other's stories, I, too, have my own experiences from when I bounced around California's foster care system with my sister, Tennille. Actually, I was also four years old at the time. Tennille was six. My mom had left her home in Rainbow, California, when I was not even two. I must tell all of our listeners... And I'm sure my brother, Rudy, agrees. The truth is stranger than fiction. You see, my mom and dad got divorced too, like in Rudy's situation, as you're about to hear. But with my parents, the divorce didn't come till later. I'll give you some of the details. When I was still two, my mom moved out of her home in Rainbow, California. Tennille and I were left with my father, a single dysfunctional dad. My sister, just a small girl herself, took on the role as my mother, as Rudy will tell you as he did for his brothers. In 1985, 
our mom and her boyfriend left California to move to Maryland. He was from there. In 1986, they were married in Maryland, and they had a new baby a year later. Here's the kicker. In 1989, three years after they had been married, my mom filed a paperwork in a Maryland court seeking to get a divorce from my father, Robbie. That's right, I said 1989. Actually, the divorce didn't come through till the spring of 1990, about a year and a half after my mother said she had finally discovered where Tennille and I were. And as a result, she claimed us from foster care and brought us to Maryland to live with her, the man she married, the man who became my stepfather and eventually a pastor. I was five when I traveled to Maryland to live with my mother. Some years later, when I was about 14, I recall asking my mother about the circumstances and some of the inconsistencies. I had heard over the years regarding her divorce from my dad, Robbie, a person whose name was not to be said in our house. Dustin, you're just a pathological liar, she responded. That became a common rejoinder for years to come when I would ask her or my stepfather about things that made them uncomfortable. It's still something I've heard from a distance. Like I said before, the truth is always stranger than fiction. Here's the truth. My mother was a bigamist. Enough about that for now. It will all be in my upcoming book. And speaking of the book, the person who is writing the foreword for the book will be calling in to today's show. He's a pretty big deal, and today he's agreed to be our very special call-in guest. Rudy doesn't even know who will be calling in. <laughs> that book, by the way, with the help of all of you, may eventually become a movie. To show you how serious we are about that, I've spoken to Rudy about taking the leading role of my father, Robbie Roper, in the movie version, and he has graciously accepted. So with that being said, Rudy, a moment ago you gave me a hug, big brother. I want you to give me another one. Yeah, bring it on in, D. Ah, yeah, welcome, brother. Welcome to the show, Rudy. Thank you for having me. You it's have, my honor. You have a story of stories. I, I finally uh. met somebody in my life that understand <laughs> what it's like to be misunderstood. Sure. It, it, what a... What a juxtaposition, right? Un to be under, uh, to have understanding about being misunderstood. Uh, there's dichotomies in life, and especially when you find yourself uh, find yourself on the cutting edge. All of us competitors. Um, I believe when you push the envelope. I believe when a human being uh, puts themselves on that razor's edge, you know, dancing with night and and day on the edge of that feather, you will find dichotomies. And people sometimes will have a hard time understanding you, understanding your vision, understanding your why, understanding this relentless pursuit of the other. Um, and it's all right. I'm here to let you know I'm a few years older than you. You're on the right track. When people don't understand you, that's- I'm 35. That's fantastic. He's got the body of a 35-year-old for all the ladies out there. He's a uh, beast. Thank you. You know, consistency is accuracy in the scout sniper community. That's it, brother. Consistency is accuracy. So to not be understood means that you're pushing the envelope. You're doing, uh, you're doing that very elite and very dangerous. Uh, you're doing the Apollo uh, space missions. You're doing the, the Jesus Christ work out uh, to to uh, heal people and to liberate people. You're doing the Martin Luther King work. You're doing the the uh, Rocky Marciano work. This is, this is on the edge. This is uh, vanguard. Uh, you're toppling regimes like First Recon Battalion, my people did. We, if, you're doing it right. And, and guess what? Now that you mention this, 
when we were invading Iraq in 03, in March of 03, and my platoon and my team were already experienced. We, we fought in Afghanistan and Pakistan. My leadership had fought in, in Haiti and Somalia, some in Desert Storm. Nobody knew what the hell we were doing then. They said, what the hell is the plan and what are we doing? And, and who was your commander at the time? My commander was, uh, was a godfather, um, uh, a Lieutenant Colonel Ferrando, still a very close friend of mine. My platoon commander was, was Captain Fick. My, my platoon sergeant was Gunnery Sergeant Wynn. We didn't need to know the plan. We could create the plan because we're on the edge and we are highly tuned um, Ferraris. We're highly tuned aircraft spiritual level aircraft and artists of violence. We will make the plan work and create it as we go, depending on the conditions on the ground. And that is what all entrepreneurs, that is what all leaders in their community, that's what all high level and high functioning and high success people will do, regardless of the environment. Because trust me, you will be in battlefields. You will be in battlefields. Uh, they don't have to be the same battlefields that I was in in Africa or Middle East uh, or the boys' home, but you will find battlefields. When you're a freaking true believer and you're pushing yourself to be the best, your best, you will be in battlefields. And I'm letting everybody know out there, if you're in a battlefield now, everything is just fine. You're right on freaking track. Wow. And I will tell you, Rudy, you and I have uh, we've spent a lot of time together. Um, one of the things that I, I'm... I mentioned in my book is these moments of depression that I've had. Mm -hmm. I these get places too, that I, I've got to that says, I can't continue. And then the part of me says, is this gonna beat you? You're gonna let this, everything you've been through up till now, that this thing, this moment, and yet I didn't face the same, the same terror that you faced, but yet you and I have this connection that is, when you are talking about children, it is PTSD from what happens there forward. Sure. And for these kids that experience sure. loss and fear, I mean, look, we at can that all- quantum at, level, at that quantum at level. At that quantum level. At that quantum level, it can and, and damage look, you. And I'm sure you, you know of people in your, in your unit. Yes. That if they were to wake up today at 2 a.m. and their feet are off the bed, yep. they pull it in. Why? I'm afraid of the boogeyman. The boogeyman yep. might grab their toes. Yes, yes. And, and why is that, Rudy? Why so, are we programmed that way? I think why uh, trauma uh, can make such a, a mark and can leave a stain is- uh, from what I've, I, I've experienced myself through a lifetime of trauma, and I look back and I see what I've done successfully to navigate and then overcome, and other things that I learned to do to mask and or compartmentalize. Um, to, to defeat the infection of trauma, because that's what it's always felt like to me. Uh, when I was abused, I was a verbally and physically abused uh, really bad. I was sexually abused. I was alone. I was on my own and I was being, I was being injured and hurt by big people and big men. Um, there's a peace inside. I remember for a few years after the first time I was sexually abused, I felt sick inside my stomach. And then a magical day would happen. Maybe I do fantastic at track practice or I, I'm, I, um, I have a great day because I have some food or I, I'm able to draw some comic books because I'm an illustrator. 
and I forgot about the trauma for a second, but then it would creep right back in, right into the sickness. And probably to this day, so I've, I've always had a bit of an eating disorder. I have a hard time eating a lot or eating period. It's probably uh, because of these things. But uh, I do work with this wonderful woman from the, the Elk Institute, Dr. Carrie Elk, and she really specializes in heavy trauma. And she works with our special operations community. She works with my, my nonprofit, Force Blue. Her name is Dr. Carrie Elk. She has a technique to surgically, emotionally and spiritually, uh, energetically, to do surgery and work through it and take out that rot. And it takes a little time to heal, and then you sew it up, and now you'll have a scar, but the rot is gone, the infection is gone. And, and you know, if you've ever had... Um, um, like a really bad freaking spider bite, or if you've ever had like MRSA from freaking wrestling, or I, I also got um, um, cellulitis, almost freaking took my leg off in the Marine Corps. Mm. Uh, when you're infected and when you're uh, toxic, to even touch the tissue hurts so bad, it can send you down a, a path of living in which you're not engaging with life and not engaging with certain life lessons that are going to help empower you to live and navigate this world. And, and I know it happened to me. Um, I'm letting people know out there right now that there is hope and that there is methods and there are people that are willing to help you um, get that emotional and spiritual and uh, uh, psychological surgery to cut that infection out. If we don't cut that infection out and then allow the, irrigate the wound, if you will, I'm a battlefield trauma expert myself. If we do not do this care under fire when, um, when a young person has been injured, the infection will stay and it will, it will um, derail one's life and, uh, uh, and more than likely, it'll destroy that person. So let us find ways to help and use my example and use your example. Use some of our heroes' examples out there. Um, how I did it first was maybe some of it uh, through epigenetics because of the immense trauma. I was beaten really horribly. I almost was beaten to death when I was three years old by yes. my grandfather. It's be, and these are reasons I had no idea about. I had no idea I was a bastard. I had no idea in this very fundamentalist Christian Catholic um, fabric of South Texas, which is really uh, culturally more, it's Mexico. It was Mexico in 1971, 72, 73. It's culturally Mexico. I never saw Anglo people. I never saw black people. I damn sure never saw Asian people and no one spoke English. This is Mexico, right? Uh, and I looked fair. I look white. And my father's actually Spanish. My daddy, who I call, you know, my daddy is Rudy Reyes Sr. That's the man who gave me his name. Great man. But he is a freaking great man. Um, I didn't know when my mom and my dad split up that, because it took like a couple years for them to finally get divorced. My daddy, Rudy Reyes Sr., was, ter was head over heels in love with my mom. Um, I was being hurt and, and made fun of and beaten by my grandfather because I really wasn't my dad's son. I had no idea this dynamic. Yeah. And I was putting shame on the family. And I heard, and my mother was uh, abused and beaten too for this uh, when no one was watching. And, and um, was this man, did he profess to be uh, of any particular religion? Uh, he was Catholic, but mostly he was of the religion of tyranny and violence. He was a scumbag and he was an alcoholic. He was a veteran as well, I think from Korea or World War II. He beat my grandmother horribly too. Uh, there's a certain darkness in a, uh, there's a certain darkness in some of the Latin culture that was, was really um, 
it was really uh, corrupted with such extreme macho, sub, such extreme control as male that, uh, that it was tyranny. And, they, uh, and my family, I witnessed and, and went through so much abuse with these people. These epigenetics, I think at three years old, uh, the gene turned on. I would either be, I think there was no choice. The gene turned on a warrior figure, protector figure, uh, be faster, stronger, better. I didn't even make a choice. At three, auto automatically, I was already going that way. And also, I always, when I would see my daddy, Rudy Reyes Sr., Marine, hard, loving, already a, a cop, gun on his belt, shiny badge and name he tape. He was a role model. He, oh, absolutely. When he'd walk his boots, clung, 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 and taking his hat off, his cowboy hat. Everybody wears cowboy boots and cowboy hats down there. And um, I knew that's who I want to be always. And uh, sure, he had, but this is 71, 72, 73. He had an ab wheel back then. He had a pull-up bar and ab wheel. I mean, you know, this whole thing. Do you have one, Rudy? Uh, you know, are, what? are your abs always like this, by they the way? Or do you have to do something they are. I think I'm the ab wheel. Um, this this whole fitness craze now, it's been time eternal. You look at the Greek ideals, uh, you look at our Native American warrior culture, you look at at the uh, the uh, martial cultures of our knights and, of course, the samurai and Shaolin Temple uh, in Japan and, and China, respectively. Um, respectfully. Um, it's just amazing, brother, because we've always had this ethos in humanity because I believe this is what helped us evolve from simple hunter-gatherers into communities, bigger communities in which we could rely on the strengths of all of the individuals, not just the strength of one. Um, so I was abused. Immediately something turned on, and I had a wherewithal that I have Michael and Caesar, and we're only a year apart each, and I thought a year and a month or two. In my mind, because I'm already in charge, because when my daddy's not around, it's just me. I thought they were like my children already, and my dad would, would tell me all the time, um, Papa and Dad, he'd call me Dad. He's like, Dad, Michael and Caesar, uh, you protect him, you're always there for them. And one of you boys, if you have good fortune, it is the good fortune of all of you. Sure. He, he also taught me that the dirtiest thing a man can be is selfish and greedy. Wow. And, and these are early lessons. I look back now, this must have shaped so much of me because when it fell apart later and it absolutely, the, the wheels fell off the damn truck, brother, um, I fell back. Oh, and this is interesting. In recon, we say this too. In, in the recon community, in the sniper community, under combat stress, in the middle of the firefight, when there's freaking bodies stacked, you will not rise to the occasion. You will fall back to your last level of competent training. Wow. How prepared. That's and right. I look at what you did for your brothers, and that's what my sister, yes. Tenille, did for Bless me. Bless her, brother. Don't make me cry up in here. Bless her. And, and so oh. for me, I look at you, and you've adopted me as uh, your younger brother. Thank you, my man. Uh, it's my honor. My sister was uh, the toughest woman I, I ever knew. Uh-huh. Toughest. She yeah. was a five-year-old girl that knew how to raise a little boy. Sure. She was and already a mother and a father. She was a mother and a father. And when my dad couldn't be there, my, my sister took over. Yeah. And so I look at the I look at who you are, and and it's like I see the splitting image of, of who my sister had. She had been a good-looking guy. Sure. <laughs> good. What she would have looked like. For for the kids out there, yes. the kids like you and the kids like me. And there's me, a lot out there. There's brother. a lot. And, and I look at this, and at any one moment in the United States, 
Yes. There are over 400,000 children in foster care. Uh, that should not happen. No. Not in this country. No, Rudy, why have, is this happening? You know what's so interesting? You mentioned this uh, to us, and it's this country is so, so successful and wealthy, and we have so many um, wonderful gifts that, by the way, our forefathers earned. We did not earn the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness You're that right. we enjoy now. Um, we did not earn it. It was on the blood and the backs of our forefathers here. And um, remember, this, is a, this, this came from a people that survived the Great Depression, the Dust Bowl. Um, this is a, um, immigrants, uh, Asian and black immigrants uh, that were slaves, even whites, uh, indentured Irish slaves. They were people that came here and, and thought we're going to start a life with the Homestead Act and braved going across the country for manifest destiny, had a chance to build a home and raise a family. These are our ancestors, our brothers and sisters that brought us here. For this reason, this freedom is not free. What's happened is we are become so consumer-based and so about ourselves individually. And this is the downside of democracy and this is the downside of, of freedom uh, of Western mind freedom. Uh, you go to Asia, there's a collective mindset. You, even in Africa, there's a collective mindset in the village. It's not just about you. It's about you as how it relates to the betterment of the village. We've lost that in America. I found it in sports. I found it in wrestling. I found it in the Marine Corps. But I don't know if anybody else can find it like I found it. Uh, and we need to bring people back to a, a tribal mind. Um, it's, it's the essence. It's the essence of what made human beings survive the Ice Age. And now we've lost that connective tissue between beings. And we've, we've lost that face-to-face. -face. We've lost the tactile touch. We've lost the communication. We've lost the trust. And uh, if we're doing that with ourselves, and even middle-class people are doing that, what happens to those on the fringes who are poor and uh, children with, with no mother or father or uh, orphans off jump? Of course, they're going to fall through the cracks. Um, and I don't think welfare is the answer. I grew up on welfare. Agreed. I grew up on welfare, you all, and, and I come from a Latin family. Yeah, it almost enables bad behavior. Oh, it damn sure does. I saw it. I saw it. My, my mother, uh, she put us in a boy's home in another state so she, she could still collect freaking money from the freaking wow. government and and a lot of my latino culture they were in and out of jail i was there was gang banging there was and, drugs. and by the way i think we can agree that is the ultimate betrayal yes uh, yes it was betrayal for, for uh, people like you that are fighting to give us freedom others take advantage of the system yes they do yes they do we have to and you know what i used to be you can imagine why this ripped my mind up of course this ripped my mind up when i came back and after a few years after fighting and what, to, it, what year did you get back rudy well my last one was in fallujah and ramadi in 04 and 05 and um, and then you can imagine I'm mentally scarred, physically, spiritually scarred from freaking stacking bodies and dropping motherfuckers, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and seeing my buddies in pieces too, um, and seeing people in the middle in pieces. And sometimes when you see a child digging on the side of the road, you got to freaking drop them. Um, no one can make can dig holes, or no one can move around at night on my watch. I have to drop you. 
and it's not even personal. But I'll tell you what, if it's between you and my four men that I'm bringing back home, uh, if it's between you, enemy, or you, anybody, between my men, that I will have to go to their crying mother or father and say that because I was not violent enough, because I was not disciplined enough, that I, that I missed a step and your son is not here. No, I will not do that. So I brought my, my men home from that last one. And, um, and then I tried to survive in the civilian world for a little bit. And then I went into contracting and then the movies. And basically, I just kept stuffing my life with missions. But I still had that underlying stuff inside of me. I was stuffing my life with missions, but, the, but I had already started becoming sick inside. Um, I will tell you all my warrior brothers and sisters out there that have been through a lot of the things that I have, there's so much hope and we have the strength together. When I almost killed myself, I had a pistol in my mouth, I was finished. I lost my son uh, due to my mental illness and my spiritual injuries. And I was struggling horribly with depression and drugs and alcohol and violence. I was fighting. I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't even feel like I was a being anymore. I felt purposeless and useless. And when they took my beautiful son, my angel, Dylan, I, 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 uh, I, I did not know what to do. I felt absolutely no purpose. You in lost everything. Yes, I lost everything. And, and so finally when I start pulling myself back together, and I went back to go fight in Northeast Africa doing counterterrorism and such, and then I see that Iraq has now fallen apart completely and we gave it back to the people we used to train who also shot some of my brothers in the back. And now ISIS is running freaking uh, Iraq and now Syria is falling apart too. And, and, uh, and my Kurdish brothers are still fighting and I'm thinking all of that blood we left there. My buddy Eddie lost his arms there. My, my brothers... Caruso that was killed there and, and my, all my brothers wounded there and all the people I had to kill there and all the things I lost I lost my wife when I came back I lost my, I lost my sanity I lost everything and, and, and it's just blood just, just soaking in the sand and then I come back home to the United States of America and finally get out of this, this veterans home mental institution I'm finally putting back my life and I look around and everybody is just so casual. People don't even hold the door open for each other. They don't say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Uh, they don't say please and thank you. And everyone's got a freaking opinion, and I don't agree with it. I say, fuck your opinions. Get more involved in observing. And finally, when you've observed enough, and listen, I'm almost 50 years old. I've observed a lot around this world. I don't even rate to really tell anybody how things are. I think people need to shut the fuck up, do more work, and... Be quiet and listen to those that went before. I'm giving you Sorry, hug. I get fired up I'm a little bit. I'm you another hug, man. I love oh, you. Oh, you too, bro. Love you too, bro. So it's, sometimes it's hard on me. I, 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 I say, why is everybody bitching when we have so much? Uh, why do we have everything and no one's happy? Rudy, I tell you, this for me is the story of my life. You know, in the upcoming book, I talk about this moment where... In the early 90s, my mother goes on a TV show called The 700 Club. Oh, yeah. You shared that with me, brother. And, wow. And she tells the world her kids could not be found. And so now... Mm. Uh, you know, it's so interesting. My mom... Now, Tennille and I... Um, my mom... Yeah. Very interesting, it's these parallels. Parallels. Because my mom just made it look like... I mean, she started a new family. She got a new man. And it was, uh, it was on to 2.0. And... Um, 
and she said something to us. She's, she's very thuggish. Um, my, my mother said simply this. Hold on one second. Yeah. I think we have Oh, we have someone. a caller? Please go ahead. Hello. Hello, who's this? Hello. Hey, it's Chance. Chance Kelly? You're kidding me. This what's is that? We got Chance Kelly on the line. Hey, brother. What? what? Well, how's up, dude? Oh, I'm doing great. I, I, I mean, did my, tell him the Godfather was going to be coming yeah. on. So Chance, my... my uh, Which my, Godfather? Well, bro, well, I mean, I've got two of them. I've got you and Colonel Ferrando, of course. Um, and yeah. I already talked about Colonel Ferrando earlier. Um, yeah, my, my calves and my Achilles are a little tight, and my IT bands he are a little tight. He just ran the Boston Marathon but, uh, 27 but I'm miles. Great, brother. I know, I saw it. I, saw, I ran it twice myself, my oh, man. Good right, work. Brother. Bro, those yeah. hills are no joke. And, and the weather yeah. came in hard. It was windy and rainy. And, um, and no, it was legit. I give people props for doing it. Yeah, mile seventeen is legit. That that heartbreak hill, I think yes, they call it. Bro. Mile yes. one for me would be that. Guys, I'm gonna sit back. I'll, yeah. I'll give you yeah, maybe some kombucha. Good, good to hear yeah. hear your voice, brother. How's things going with you? Too, buddy. Yeah, it's all good, man. It's all good. It's all good. So I'm glad to uh, have you on the podcast here. And uh, thank you, brother. Yeah, yeah, happy and healthy as always. Uh, good. Yeah, you guys like, having a good time? Yes, oh, we're having we a great are. time. He's telling me some some stories, and it, it is for me. It's. It's looking at my own family. It's looking at my life. The, yeah, a lot the, of parallels, huh? Absolutely. Yes, but you know yeah. what? You know what's interesting, Chance? You know, we, you and I are really close, and, and, we have, and we have some of the same fellows in our lives, too. Um, there's a lot of parallels for a lot of us when we start opening up and we start talking to each other. We're like, oh, man, you went through that? Yeah, I kind of went through that, too. And we're so, much, we're so much more successful, so much stronger to navigate the really big waves together than we are alone and i think um this has been the underlying ingredient um that is is uh caused this malaise and this epidemic of suicide and depression in the veteran community it's the separation and the and the feeling that when we're having struggles hold on oh, hold on yes, guys we, we got a special caller calling oh, okay, in. okay we got another caller coming in somebody right? else huh okay I, I think we have somebody else on the line caller can you hear me Hey, Rudy, how you doing? Oh, my man. We have Colonel Steve Godfather Ferrando oh, sir, on the line. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Freaking fantastic. I just ran the Boston Marathon with some of my old cats from 2nd Platoon and uh, some of my guys uh, that fought for you and for us in Generation Kill Times in, um, in the invasion, Gabe Garza. Uh, uh, my beautiful son. He was my first son before I had children. He came from the grunts. I I trained him and I brought him over from the the Mew that I was on in Afghanistan and Pakistan. He became one of our best guys. Then he went over to SF, uh, became a Green Beret and a Ranger. I mean, this guy is magnificent. Now he's a policeman in Austin. He's got two ch kids. We haven't seen each other in probably... 13 years and we ran the marathon it was so great just having the fellows together um it, it should make you feel really good sir that that the recon community and the brotherhood is alive as well is alive and well and and will continue to be and and we love you and we look up to you brother oh, no, i appreciate that it's, it's wonderful to hear you guys are preserving uh, that that brotherhood bond an immeasurable uh, benefit to all of you guys. You need to protect it, I think. Yes, Good sir. And sir, you're exactly right. You know, um, 
I, I f- sir, I feel stronger now than ever. I remember I called you maybe about five years ago. I was pretty down, uh, maybe eight, six, seven years ago. We all went through it a little bit, um, and especially uh, the brothers of us that had to keep going back and fighting. And, and actually, you know, we love to fight. It's not a burden for us to go fight. We love to fight. It's just, uh, you know, the op tempo continued um, to develop faster and faster and faster. And we did not have any time for off gas and for um, process. But now we're working on that now. I feel stronger now. I feel more successful. I feel happier now. And I feel that I have a bigger recon community now than I even did in the Marine Corps. And uh, the warrior ethos and the standards and the traditions and our, our absolute warrior mindset uh, First Sergeant Smith and our other freaking beautiful leaders we had in the unit. It's uh, it's still freaking making a massive difference in my life. So you should know that, and you should be really happy about that. I definitely am. I'm I'm really uh, excited to see the positive things you're doing and to hear how uh, how well you are. Thank you. It's great to hear you. Thank you, sir. You know, the Recon Sniper Foundation, uh, made up by Recon Sniper guys, and now we're helping uh, doing outre- outreach to all veterans and their families and families of the fallen of all services. Um, and there's no face on it. There is no individual name on it. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, that um, band of brothers and the, the code of that we are our brother's keeper it's alive and well and we're helping uh, we're helping the whole freaking community now and we're helping the whole veteran community and we're creating a legacy of not just warrior and not just killer but of um of leaders. leader and statesman and entrepreneur and family man and um and brother uh, and son it's fantastic and you should be very proud oh absolutely you sound pretty busy. I am. You know, I just got done running that marathon, and I'm doing some work here with Dustin, and then I go to uh, D.C. to rub some elbows with some politicians to make a little money for Force Blue, and then I go to New York City for a little shooting, uh, some TV, and then I'm guest speaker at, I guess, keynote speaker at Earth Day Texas, Earth X. And that's in Dallas. So that's just in the next uh, few, great. yeah, few weeks. And uh, I think after that, I shoot a television show in Minnesota. So yeah, brother, uh, you keep those freaking wheels uh, nice and lubed up, and a good chain on that bicycle, and pedal fast, and you have great freaking balance. So that's how I do it. Yeah, yeah I think you're you're a bit of a, a large physical guy to. <laughs> I guess that's kind of crazy, by the way. He's a big boy. Sir, don't you remember? We used to do 20 miles like every freaking Friday. So I didn't think it was that big a deal. But I guess we were a little younger back then. Yeah, a lot younger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Godfather cracking the whip back then. Oh, well, you know what? He was so blessed. You know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, Mr. Ferrando didn't have to do a damn thing. If anything, he had to hold us back. If anything, he's like, Dad, I got to hold these freaking wild childs back because they want it too much. Yeah, great place to be. So, so Godfather, that now I'm your godson. Has uh, we, we've talked? Um, and tell me for you, watching Rudy where he is, seeing him from maybe the beginning. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I'm I'm, uh, I'm really impressed. I, t- I tell you, um, 
first time I ran across Rudy, we were uh, conducting a team leader's course yeah. in the battalion. And uh, I had had uh, a fair chance to look at record books and those kinds of things and talked with leadership about the people in the course. Uh, and one of the names I remember was, uh, I think at the time, Corporal Rudy Reyes. That's right. And, and uh, when I watched him, uh, the, the term of tough guy does not, does not jump out at you. Because he's, he's got this uh, really fruit forward, happy personality. Mm-hmm. But uh, that team leader's course put them through the paces, both yeah. technically and physically. And I tell you, I, I learned that the outward appearance of somebody's demeanor does not necessarily tell you how tough they are or not. Rudy, I knew back then, was a really tough kid. Got to see him in, uh, in Iraq. And then I've, Rudy, you don't know this, but I've, I've kind of tracked you over the years. You've always been a go-getter and yes, sir. super positive guy. Yes, sir. Motivated always. recall Marine can accomplish about anything. You know that. <laughs> there you go. I always figured you'd do well. Thank you, sir. No question. Thank you, sir. You know what I remember about that team leader course? I haven't thought about it in a long time, and it was put on by Gunny Barrett, remember? A legend in our time. Um, yep. And uh, I've first saw him, by the way. Yeah. Oh, really? How, how is Rich? He doing all right? Yeah, he runs his own company. He's a, a, a contractor supporting DOD. Fantastic. Fantastic yeah, he's again. Making- He's making good money. Fantastic. Beautiful little toe-headed kids. Uh, I remember that course. Yeah. They, you all were putting us through our paces. And, um, and they even faked my, my bird. The, the, uh, the pilots were yanking and banking, and they're seeing they're having a hydraulic issue, and the freaking bird's coming down really hard. And they, they freaking have a hard bang-up landing, and, and the crew chief is like, everybody's got to go. It's got to go. You know, we, we've got to fire. And we burn out of the back of the clamshell, and we're about 20 clicks from extract in the ocean, that wet spy extract. Uh, and we've already been running and gunning for three or four days, doing bipartisan link-ups, freaking long-range reconnaissance, uh, um, observation stuff, CAS, and our feet are hurting, our backs are hurting, life is hurting, and we have a timeline. We got a time hack to make extract. No one thought I could drive my team, and I even took other recon marines that got lost, and I drove them all freaking night on boots and freaking rucks and with weapons, and uh, we finally showed up there at freaking Blue Beach, I believe, and I come on out with my iron cross with my weapon in one hand, my other arm out, and we do our proper link-up procedures, freaking throw on our spy rigs, swim out two freaking kilometers. The birds come in, drop the, the rope down. I'm a hearse master. I inspect everybody. And then when we come out of that freaking water and all of our thumbs are, are up and you've got a recon team hanging from that kermental rope underneath that freaking bird and you're flying them uh, all around Pendleton and then you get them uh, down to the freaking, uh, to the LZ. I'll tell you what, and I know you've been there. I know you're a recon man from way back. I know you've been there. There's no better feeling coming off that rope, cami paint in your face and ears, still some brush in your 
kit, uh, heavy rucked, exhausted. But when you double time to the armory and, and, uh, and you've accomplished that and everyone gives you a wide berth, nobody will even look you in the eye because they know that you're another level of predator, you're another level of warrior, that what you are doing and what you know, vibration uh, that you're existing at just quite simply is it's otherworldly, it's magical, and that's why recon is recon. Uh, there's no better feeling than that, sir. And, uh, and I'm glad you remember that, that team leader course. Man, it was incredible. Oh, yeah, no, I was, I was one of the doubters. I didn't think you'd make it. Oh, really? <laughs> you go sir. Really? You're kidding me. You him out, huh? It was almost an impossible a, timeline. It was almost an impossible timeline. But I will well, not we, fail. We had, no, we had a backup extract because we, we really didn't think <laughs> you could physically do it. I pushed him. I think Sims, tall Sims, his feet were wrecked for like weeks. Um, yeah, true story. Yeah. <laughs> true story. We, yes, but you know, and look how it paid off. When we were in combat, sir, we all kicked ass, and we were able just to grind harder and faster than anybody out there, and that is why we made it. No, I agree. Well done to you, Rudy. Thank you, sir. Thank you, and so well done to you as well, and, and First Sergeant Smith, and, and Captain Dill, now I, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dill, Roger Sparks, Big Frog, all of the leadership, all the uh, immense uh, Sarks, all of our uh, Special Amphibious Reconnaissance Corpsmen, all of you that, that uh, lived the leadership, that you embodied uh, the spirit, uh, the ethos. I mean, it inspired me as a young recon Marine, and look, to this day, I'm still successful for it. Uh, it's that core values. It really is that core values. How a man does one thing is how a man does everything. Well, I tell you, we get to ride the horse. <laughs> Didn't take a great leader to sit on top of guys like you. Thank you, it's thank you, watch. sir. It's my honor. It is my honor. Um, yeah. Oh, well, we've got we've got a lot of patriotism going on right now. We're about ready to get into the. I mean, we were either going to do the Marine, the Marine Sam, or uh, say Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> but uh, so, and you know what, sir? What are you doing these days? Uh, I I remember you were. I think you were commanding all of Camp Pendleton. Um, a few, you know, what, eight years ago, ten years ago? What are you, what are you doing these days? I work for uh, Training and Education Command. I'm still on base. Okay. Uh, simply enough, I try to help deploy units prepare for deployment. So really, still been, a force in readiness. You're still, uh, you're still on the mission. Uh, we're, we're support guys, uh, helping the action guys. I we're no you. longer action guys. Do you remember? Oh, good yeah, do you remember? The, oh, I know, even I'm getting old. You honest, my Achilles and my feet hurt. I used to be able to run 20 miles in my freaking sleep. I yeah, just, when I picked him up today, by yeah, the way, I'm I got father. Right he now. was barefoot when I picked him up from the hotel. Uh, I remember in the Whoa. old days, they'd call us fat. We'd call the old guys, we'd call them fags, former action guys. And yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what? It's becoming me too. So I get it, sir. Well, at this point, I'm embracing it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got no other choice. You know, I'm, I work in film and television now. I model. I do some other things like this. I'm already looking at writing, producing, one day directing, and, and influencing and mentoring the young kids that are coming into the entertainment business that have a lot of warfighting experience, and they have great leadership. And uh, I'd love to see the next generation. I want to start watering the seeds of the young Rudy Reyes's out there that nobody knows about yet. I'm already interested in that as well. Um, it's not Semper I, it's Semper Fi, you know? Yeah, wonderful. Thank I love you, it. Sir. I love it too. I mean, it freaking keeps me going. I love it so much. I mean, 
freaking wake up motivated every day because of that. Um, it's a beautiful time to be alive, sir. Good for you. Yes, sir. All right, well, listen, I'm going to sign off. Okay, brother. You're going to be on. want to call in and take congrats, pay my respects. Yes, sir. I wish you all the best. You got, got it, Godfather, sir. Godfather, thank you again. And remember, you owe me that beer. Yeah, I owe you beer. Right. Thank you, Steve. I owe you. I owe you more than that. <laughs> all right, James. Hopefully, you woke up. You got See it. Bye bye. Bye. All right, man. Wow, Chance. Great job, brother. Gosh, so legend. So legend. Well done, Chance. Oh, my gosh. So legend. Good, man. Yeah, oh, he's the best. Man. He's the best. Isn't he the best? Let me He doesn't do a lot of interviews. Oh, no. In fact, he doesn't do any. No, okay, so you got it. That's the one he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that was it. He actually said to me, Wow. he said, Dustin, I don't do interviews. But for you and for Rudy, oh, I will do this interview. Incredible. He said, I looked exactly you up. I looked you up. I looked up your story. And yes. obviously, I know Rudy. And uh, for you guys, I'm all in. Wow. I forgot. Yeah. You know what, Chance? I forgot that I forgot about that team leaders course. I've done so many courses, right? Um, mm-hmm. it, was a, it, was a, it was a 20 click movement through the mountains of Pendleton. You know the terrain out in Southern mm-hmm. California, yeah, Pendleton. Oh, yeah. 20 yeah. miles from the mountains <laughs> to the ocean. <laughs> to the ocean and then I had to swim two kilometers out and get picked up by a helicopter, right? Um, and so they, so they were thinking- Like no big deal. Actually, some of the brothers, yeah, some, some of them knew, they're like, if anyone can do it, it's, it's Corporal Reyes, if anyone can do it. And, uh, and of course, by then, all of our batteries were dead, freaking no comms. So we went to our no comm plan, which is make it to this extract point by this drop dead time, and there will be a bird. I pushed my teammates so hard. Like I said, one didn't walk for a week or two. Um, but we did it, brother. We did it. And after that, I guess, you know what? Um, uh, Colonel Ferrando just always had the faith in me. And when we invaded that country and we freaking toppled the regime, uh, I could see him smirking and smiling every time he saw me. And I know why. It's because uh, he, uh, now I see that at one time he didn't think I could make it. But all of that doubt was forever erased from his mind. Mm-hmm. Now, Chance. You guys were a well-oiled machine, man, no doubt. For sure. Now, Chance, for those of us that, that don't know how you're connected to the Godfather, can you tell us that? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I, I got hired on a job in 2007 to go play uh, Ferrando, Steve Ferrando, Colonel Ferrando, Godfather, uh, in Generation Kill for HBO. And I didn't, I never talked to the man, and I, I didn't know any more about him than what I read in the book Generation Kill. Um, which was basically an extended article that came out of a Rolling Stone series of articles from uh, that writer. And um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm spacing his name, uh, uh, though we worked with him very closely. Right. Um, Evan Wright. Um, Evan, Evan Wright, yeah, good dude. Um, and anyway, I got out there, and day one of shooting, after my first speech, I, 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 I had met Rudy and Eric yeah. Cucker yeah. and Jeff Carrizales, who were in the, who were in the battalion, obviously. And, and I said, guys, look, is, is there any way you can connect me with Ferrando? Because I don't know what the hell I'm saying. And it wasn't it, like I knew the words, I knew the lines, but I didn't know the inflection. Yeah, you I didn't, didn't know, know the why. You didn't know the why, yes. right? Like, wh- yeah. you know, what's the gravitas to- here, right? Yeah, exactly. I know. I gotta know how to say them and what they mean. And I, I thought I'd have a quick, you know, fifteen minute conversation with him, and he, he'd withhold certain intel. He got on the phone with me yeah. the next day 
I was on some satellite phone, and we talked every week <laughs> for the next five months. Oh, he's and so rad, he, brother. He ended up becoming one of my best friends. Yes, yeah, I go out there. My family goes out there. I've stayed at his house. Chance Jr. has stayed at his it's house. So his wife is incredible. He's amazing, dude. He's unbelievable. He's and one of the know, best dudes I know. For sure. And Chance, how special is, again, it's, that's an even, it's, a testament to the recon brotherhood because through yeah. the, you telling the story of our unit and you telling and the story did, of, by the way oh they did so good chance did fantastic i mean we don't got to talk about his acting his acting's always just freaking uh, stellar but chance he he connected he cared he still cares he always asked about me when he's around some of the other actors and then when he's with me he always asks about Eric Cucker who by the way is doing much better and right. Jeff Keddy Salas Keddy Salas is yeah. training at the Jeff's, a, Jeff's, a, Jeff's a comedian man yes for the brother and now <laughs> and now he's training at um, at the actor's studio in LA and he's doing very well good for him man and now I mean, you guys can do whatever you want to do that's you guys right can do anything you want that's you know? right Chance has been yeah. there for us and, and that brotherhood and he's so tight uh, with Colonel Ferrando as well I mean this is the this is what Recon is about it's about family and, uh, well, Dustin, the you. thing is, this, this is why this is why we're America because we got dudes like this out front fighting it, right. making it stay that way, and yeah. that's not some patriotic bullshit. Yeah. That's the truth, yeah, you know. Because right. you got dudes like that out there, and guys like Colonel Frando yeah. manning those units. They're the toughest, you know, and Mattis behind them. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. And you know, I spend a lot of time with Bobby Burke these days too, brother. And mm -hmm. remember, he played Mattis. Um, he, <laughs> I remember. I know. Yeah, I know. I he's, so, he's, he's such a good dude. He's such a good dude. Uh, I guess I punched him in the arm a little hard or something like that. And did did you break day, his arm? Yeah. To this I, day, I was, I was, still you and I were with. It. By the way, for those that don't know, because yeah. uh, you wouldn't know. Uh, Rudy and I are, were with uh, Bobby this past week. Uh, what was it on a Friday? Is that right? Yeah, Saturday, Friday, Friday at the Explorers Club. At the Explorers Club, and that was a great time. And, and yes, I would say, bro. Bobby, well, he's a pretty tough guy. Taking a hit yes. from you? Yes. I'm not so sure. Oh, but do you remember how I was just thrashing the shit out of all those actors out there, brother, for the boot camps, and mm -hmm. then I, and training them every day, seven or eight freaking months out there? I didn't know that that's not what you're supposed to, you're not supposed to push actors that hard. Like, <laughs> if you hurt them or kill them, that's not good for production. Well, the chance is a big boy. <laughs> So he can hold his own. It depends which actor. You know? Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah. They, they, they did fine. Though. They, 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 did they, they stepped up big time. They, they were all great. good kids, man. They really did good so kids. good. Yes, you're right, brother. And well, Chance the hell of a boxer, and he, he's got a little something he's been working on too on his is it on his own. He's a hell of a boxer, hell of a chin. Yes, he is. Great athlete, still yeah, in excellent He was a phenomenal division. guest a couple weeks back. Yes, yes, brother. So are you still working on that inside fighter, brother? Sounds yes, like Yes, man, always, always, I love always it, working brother. We're going to get that up soon. We're okay, my man, soon. you so, got me. All right. Listen, you guys, it was a pleasure being back with you, Dustin. You, you guys it, finish up. I don't need to crowd your waves. I'll talk to you guys soon. All, all right, brother. I love you, brother. Love I'll talk you too, to you man. soon. All right, love all you all too. All Thanks, guys. See you, Great! Wow, guess. can you believe hey. that we had the guy that played him, and then with the yeah, then the real, the real guy. deal. And uh, again, as you spoke, we spoke earlier about the mountaintops, leaders and warriors in their different communities. You don't have to be a military man. You don't have to be an athlete. Uh, you don't have to be a banking guy. You can be anybody. But if you want the very best out of yourself and you strive for excellence, you will find yourself climbing up that mountain. And you're not going to have a trail of Sherpas behind you carrying your kit. You carry your own kit. You find yourself one day on top of that mountain. 
there may be not a soul around. The air is very thin when you vibrate and you breathe that thin air up at the top of the mountain. That's a little shout out to Sornex and Bert Sorn, some of the brothers that have helped me through uh, my transition into this entrepreneur and, and this leader that you see now. Uh, that thin air living at the top. But get, then you look around at the other mountain peaks and there's some other people up on those mountain peaks. That's your family. That is your uh, your quartet, as Stephen King would say, your spiritual warrior family. And it doesn't matter from what background, doesn't matter how old, doesn't matter man, man or woman, doesn't matter what country. Um, that's your family. That's your warrior family. And Chase is my warrior family. Wow. Yeah, Chance just just amazing, and he's and he and he shows up for my life every chance he can so well in your book rudy hero living um that for me was one of the most emotional books for oh me to read. really well, i don't I know should... what it was like for you to write Ooh. this thing and be involved Ooh. with it uh, but hearing your story and us able to to connect um, about what you went through one of the things i've talked about honestly on the show that i struggle most with is what's well, fear it's the fear of losing everything it's the fear of fear of not having stability but that also becomes my fuel to say then sure. don't get to a place where you are able to lose everything. It's a hell of a drive, isn't it? It's a hell of a drive. Um, and then the other thing is struggling with forgiveness. And we, we both- I pain. have a struggle with that. That brother. is the hardest thing that I can't understand how a parent can abandon <sighs> their children. Yes. And, but I understand that in life, when people are going through these moments of desperation, these moments of trial, that they make bad decisions and if they look back in their lives, they would do it different. So for all the parents out there, the Dustins, Yes. The Rudys. That's right. That have experienced pain, that have experienced trauma, that have experienced being abused as a child. Yes, sir. I lived in Casa de Amparo. You lived in... The Omaha this? Home for Boys. Omaha Home for Boys. You took care of your brothers. Tennille protected me. I lost my sister in 2014. Mm. She was my foundation. How do you prepare to lose somebody? You were overseas. You had brothers, yes, right. people that would give their life. As my sister, she would lay down her life Absolutely. For, for her family. Where in life, how does, that, how does it change a person? Well, you know, as you mentioned it, that family that I had in the Marine Corps and in recon, uh, it is conditional and it is earned. It is conditional. There's no weak bodies. All relationships are earned. Yes, there's no weak bodies, and you damn sure need to kill. And you need to be willing to possibly die just in the process to become one of our elite tribe. But once you're there, the level of love is so deep because of everything earned at that, uh, at that precipice. There's like no jockeying about who's tougher or better. There's no posturing. We all know that we are the best of the best of the best, the 1% of 1% of the Marine Corps. So we can actually start opening up our hearts. So my brothers in the recon community, my teammates, my platoon mates, they know everything about me. And I know, so, I know everything about them because we are not afraid anymore. You don't because, live in shame. Yeah, we not at all because we have brothers there. Uh, our brothers in, in recon and in the other special operations communities too and in, in some of the grunt units as well. Um, uh, we, our communities, our recon marines, our raiders, our seals, our pararescue men, our green berets, our uh, rangers, our, our cats like that, they will die retrieving your dead body. 
They will go and die to get your dead body back. A level of love that in the civilian and citizen framework is very rare. Not impossible, but very rare. And, um, and that's, that's why we take it so seriously. You know, I ran this marathon a uh, day and a half ago. The Boston Marathon. Yeah, the Boston Marathon. I was asked by Mass Fallen Heroes, my buddy Jay, uh, asked my incredible recon brother, Johnny Grant, Irishman, wild man, big, strong fireman. Um, Jay was a Marine, and his brother was a ranger, uh, a soldier, and was killed. And Jay still carries so much pain. And um, he runs Mass Fallen Heroes. They asked me to come out and run a couple weeks ago. I've had no training. I have a, I have a really bad broken foot. Uh, from the Marine Corps and from kickboxing, so I don't really run anymore, um, aside from doing events, adventure events like Spartan Race. Um, I show up, I run my ass off, but as I'm running every step, I swear to you, every step, I feel it hitting and, and an echo to all my brother's spirits and all of the dead, all my brothers, all the... Um, family members, all the Gold Star families, sons and daughters. And, and I was overwhelmed, being overwhelmed with emotions cause, because all these years, you all, can you imagine all the times I was fighting? I never went to funerals. You know, I've never been to any of my brother's funerals. How could I? I was still fighting. There's no funeral, so there's no... It was, I've never begun a, begun a process or begun a funeral. I've never had a funeral, and I'm not sure I want one now. Because they're alive and well in me. And you live the, for them. Yeah, and the pain I was feeling in my body. I thought of each and every one of my brothers, Jeske and Caruso, Morel, First Sergeant Smith, my fucking idol. They would, they would be so happy to just be alive for one more second just, just to have a footfall. And I just, all my pain, all my little sadness, all my fear, my little legs are cramping up and stuff. All of that went away and my breathing came back and I was just into my process and discipline. And I was crying because I was crying for the love and the joy that I have of all these men that have provided so much for me. Um, I don't think that this is a unique experience. I think we have a possibility in, in this human race to understand each other at this quantum level and work together at this quantum level. I'm doing my very best to make that more of the conversation, more of the action. Uh, talk is really cheap. This is where, again, um, too many people are talking too much and not doing enough. Uh, I think this is why Force Blue means so much to me, my nonprofit. Force Blue is all of the recon brothers and SEALs and pararescue and all the special operations community from the Army all my brothers from uh, British Royal Marine Commandos and Special Boat Service, and we have some Aussie SAS that want to come over. It is the Rainbow Six of conservation warriors. Uh, we're changing the whole narrative that once you have your brotherhood in service, afterwards it's gone. We're saying, no, it's a continuous blanket. It's a continuous uh, fabric. And now we know each other's families and we know each other's um, uh, you know, histories. Jim Ritteroff, who's my co-founder, uh, he's now, by proxy, being so close to us, a military man. 
and and a gold star family man because of our families that we've lost. And then his kids are like my kids. There is a way for us to transmute pain into growth. Uh, Colonel Grossman on killing and on combat, he wrote, the narrative is not written in stone of post-traumatic stress disorder. Let's make it post-traumatic stress growth. And Absolutely. learning from your story, brother, you had your uh, PTSD, so much PTSD as well. And w there's a way to turn our PTSD into post-traumatic stress growth and uh, to dispel shame, uh, cut out the sickness and heal it up. And, and we start living the lives we are supposed to be living, the warrior, uh, bountiful life you, you of, use of it. love. You use that pain. You use that anger. Yes. You use that frustration. You use that trauma. When my sister died in 2014... Two years later in 2016, I had also gotten to the place in my head that said, I'm done. Yes. And the last thing to leave a person is hope. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to say goodbye to my sister. For two years, I had to be left with this moment, this final phone call. She called me two days before her death. Hey, Dustin, how you doing? She had just gotten out of jail in Yakima, Washington State. All right. She's like you. Are you okay? She's calling yeah, she's me. She's checking on you. She's checking to make sure, sure I'm good. A good team leader, great team leader. How you doing, Tanil? Oh, no, no. How are you? How are the kids? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're doing good. Are, are you okay? I'm just a little bit tired. Mm -hmm. And then two days later, they found her. And so I looked back these two years from 2014 to 2016. I'd say, I, I lost her. I didn't get to say goodbye. And I laid down. I was in my house. And this thought was going through my head saying, you have nothing to live for. And then this voice, you have to live for me. I kept you alive for a reason. Mm -hmm. Dustin, if, if you die, if you end it now, then what was the purpose? Yes, the legacy. What was it for? I understand. If it. I quit now, if I give up on the 26 mile of the marathon, yeah. then 26 miles, well, geez, well, it was a waste. Yes. You completed it. There's a motto that, that you have and your community has, and that is, all it takes is what? All you got. Is all you got. That's it. That has been in my mind for Isn't years. Isn't it fantastic? Uh, so I, I love uh, reading science fiction. Yes. And there was an author, and I apologize that the name's escaping, but I'll get it later. Okay. Uh, and in the book, he kept bringing this mantra up over and over and over that said, okay. all it takes is all you got. Yes. And I found that even in my own life, when I give it all I have, yes. and whatever that thing is, yes. and when I do it my way, and that is, I live. Yes. I don't hold back. Unapologetically, because life is a full context it's, sport. It's maybe. what are you going to do? Hurt my feelings? Yeah, no kidding. Are, are you going to hit me as a child? Yeah, yeah no. Right. You've got some families where you got raised by a father yes. who treated you with, I want to be your role model. That's right. And what happens for those out there like myself when you get put into a new family environment where the model is spare the rod, spoil the child? Yes. And now that sort of abuse, because spanking is children abuse. is abuse. I think when you do not lay your hands you on a child, you don't have to beat anybody. You do not fix a child by beating them. Yeah, no, you don't. And fix anybody by beating them. And say, "Well, God told me to do it to you." Yeah, on top of I it. understand. Now I have knocked some motherfuckers out, of course, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's because of boundaries, and I and you got to stand a freaking line sometimes. Um, uh, and also remember at the baseline as human beings as males uh, we're designed first um, to protect the village 
We have to be strong. We have to protect from other men coming to kill, to kill the children and rape the women at the baseline of human race. When you look at the other primates, high-end high, high primates and other high-line predators, apex. And predator doesn't mean negative. In a sense, uh, you know that the entire, uh, um, uh, the, the, the cascade of the eco-life, it is in perfect balance. When you do have uh, high-line predators, uh, shark, uh, uh, primates, the human beings now, tigers, uh, wolves. Um, it's savage. Real life is savage. It is. It's we, raw. It's raw and it's real. We transform ourselves, though, from just animals through discipline, through love, through the bonds of love that we have for our village and families in which we will rise uh, through the m most difficult of, of occasions to continue to make ourselves stronger, better, and productive to protect and empower the family. And we do that together. Um, there's, there's that warrior DNA in all of us. Uh, I recommend, I recommend people start their real real journey, their personal journey, outside of any contrivance and outside of anybody else's definition or structure, it, it is uh, very um, immense, I think, because I got into Zen Buddhism and, and martial arts, thanks to Rudy Reyes Sr., watching Bruce Lee and, and Shaolin movies. There's something about the Zen Buddhism and the approach of the East, where you pull back the layers of desire and um, fear. And fear comes from shame often and uh, a scarcity mindset. We're so scared. Does anything scare you anymore, Rudy? No, nothing, not even fail. I mean, nothing scares me. What's there to be afraid of anymore? Nothing. You know how I, as you say sometimes, brother, when you're under the eight ball for freaking bills, normally for us men, the hardest thing, when we got families and we have people counting on us and we all do, Sometimes when it's tight at the end of the month, it can break us all down. It can give us so much stress. It can kill us. It gives us cancer. Um, what I've done is I've streamed my life down so um, simple and effective. And just like a recon patrol, every piece of kit you have in your pack has multiple uses. Um, I live a life of service. I push myself to the highest paradigm in media so I can uh, show an example to my kids and to all kids, and to all brothers and sisters that are in the middle of their life, like myself, that we can continue to grow and be absolutely extraordinary on our own terms. I believe physical uh, health is real wealth. I believe every person, regardless of socioeconomic, and I don't mean in America, because even our poor are rich here. I'm talking even in the third world. This is why I don't take supplements. You asked about supplements earlier. The reason I stay away from supplements and I don't overeat, I did counterterrorism in Northeast Africa, and I taught the finest commandos, both male and female, to fight for their country and, and fight uh, poachers and fight terrorists, Al-Shabaab and Al-Qaeda, to lose their lives to fight for their country. And they eat, on average, about one chicken a week and survive on wow. cornmeal. And so I'm in this fitness and wellness business. Um, I will never call myself a, an influencer. It's ridiculous. I'm a leader in the human transformation business. And I don't believe it has to do with products. It has to do with inner uh, love and light, extreme discipline, and finding 
respect and love when you look in the mirror at yourself and being around people like that too. And that's what's helped with me with Sornax, also um, with uh, Rick Elder from Beyond Clothing that mentored me through modeling and, and, and people like Chance through acting and uh, Recon and Sniper Foundation helping me through my hard times. Um, this is how we did it. Now I work with a fellow Marine, uh, lovely David Wood in Hong Kong with Virtus, my own clothing company. We need each other. It's not Semper I, it's Semper Fi. Semper Fidelis means always faithful. It's not Semper I, it's Semper Fi. So remember that. You and I, again, have a lot to... A lot in common. Uh, at the age of 19, I was a model for Next Models in New York. Wow, brother. Competitive. Uh, I'm Competitive. telling you, just like me, it's how do we how do we get out of where we were? Yes. How, how can we great. Climb higher? Great. You know, I discovered, or it discovered me only maybe eight years ago. Um, and, um, and I saw it was an opportunity to be freaking excellent and compete. I love competing. Life is competitive. Life is completely competitive. Look at all biological life. It is competitive. Do not, um, do not mistake pleasure and stability for reality those are nice blips those are nice crests love and enjoy them but know that you also be through valleys and how you're tested in those valleys and how you stand through the valleys shows more about who you are your character when no one's looking when when the chips are down and you look in the mirror that's the real you and you know what when i'm going through that in my life i like who's looking back in the mirror now i like it a lot we connect with people not on our strengths. We connect with people on our weaknesses. Rudy, it's been great to have you on air with oh, us. Oh, my man. You're welcome to visit anytime. And I will. So that wraps up our show from this evening. I'd like to thank our special guest, Rudy Reyes, for sharing his story and telling us about the life-changing experiences he's had. And a heartfelt, life's tough, you can be tougher, thanks to Colonel Steve Godfather Ferrando for Raw. calling in. Yes, sir. I'd also like to thank Melinda Davis, executive producer at Up To Me Radio, for giving the Life's Tough community an opportunity to share our life stories with you, our amazing audience. Also, a special thanks to my dear friend, Gerald Levin, Life's Tough chief writer and my Sherpa. The stories we all hear are as varied as the people who tell them. Each time I hear someone's personal account, I do not frame it as something that was more horrible than my own story or something that was not as bad as what I went through. It's impossible to discount the impact of any one singular experience. To the person who lived it, like Rudy, their story can be as devastating as any other. I ask you to use your story to give others hope. It's quite liberating to move beyond your past. Don't keep your story to yourself and allow it to eat away at you. Share your story. Everyone has a story. Instead, consider how your experience can benefit somebody else. Your story may be just what it takes to help someone in your circle or in our community to get through a tipping point moment, an instance when that person either chooses to continue to be a victim or when that person finds the strength to transcend a particular situation. Please subscribe to our show. Visit L-I-F-E-S-T-O-U-G-H dot com. That's lifestuff.com. And be sure to join us every week, same time, same place, for a stimulating hour of heartfelt discussion. Remember, everyone has a story. Life's tough, but Rudy Reyes is tougher. <laughs> Thank you, my man. You, Dustin, my pleasure. Love you. So for Rudy and the Life's Tough team, this is Dustin Plantle signing off for Life's Tough. 
but Rudy Reyes is tougher. <laughs> Thank you, my man.